We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Welcome to Kilkenny today with Frank Tynan. I hope I find you well. Nice to be back again at the start of another week of Kilkenny today here on your favourite station. I'd love your company for the next hour or so. And um, many thanks to my colleague Anne Nolan for production and help with the programme today, as always. And uh, later in the programme, I'll be speaking with former Kerry football legend and government minister Jimmy Deanahan about his work for the charity Goal as we celebrate World Water Day. But let's start with a really good news story and uh, a unique collaboration between three local businesses businesses um, marks the eagerly awaited uh, release of a new Kilkenny produced whisky. Uh, Ballykeep Distillery Kilkenny has announced the launch of its first pot still Irish whisky and uh, Ballykeep Distillery in, cl- in collaboration with Kilkenny Crystal and the Wine Centre are working together to bring to the public uh, Ballykeep's new Irish whisky. I'm pleased now to welcome to Kilkenny today the owner of Ballykeep Distillery Morgan Ging. Morgan how are you? I'm very well, Frank. Thank you for having us on. Listen, this is a really good, great story, Morgan, and um, so much to talk to you about in relation to it, but it's a very exciting day, obviously, time for yourselves. Indeed, indeed. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. We established the company in 2015, and we laid down our first casks in 2017, so it takes three years and a day to be officially Irish whiskey, which, uh, you know, looking back then, we, we thought would never come, but... The day is here now and we're, we're extremely excited. We tried to bring um, the, the, the city of Kilkenny and, and, and the businesses together. We, we joined in with Kilkenny Crystal, who did a bespoke decanter or glasses for us for our presentation. And they also hand engraved each bottle individually. So we brought something very unique and very special uh, to the market. It'd be the first whiskey in Kilkenny in over 100 years. It be just very, very exciting for us. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you've been very busy over the last number of years. I mean, you know, before the launch of the whiskey, you've got, won so many fantastic awards, gold medal awards, master class awards. I mean, for for what you've been producing already, so there's a great history there. Even in, even though it's only for a short few years that you've been actually brewing. Yes, we're, 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 we we the thing behind Bally Keith is that it's going to be in the premium uh, segment of the market with affordable premium segment of the market so it's a quality spirit is, is what we produce and we made a conscious decision not to put anyone else's spirit in a Ballykeep bottle so what you get when you buy a Ballykeep bottle is produced by us at Ballykeep and the real reason behind that is that we, we want to be sustainable so in order to do that and to be able to prove to the general public that we are sustainable we want to be able to say that the liquid produced at Ballykeep and in the bottle is fully traceable and fully sustainable. 
Um, we've no one on our waste that leaves the distillery or the farm. We use it all up on farm. The distiller's grain and the pot ale are fed to our beef animals. And then we have our um, wash down and all that is neutralized to the pH neutral and that's land spread with a, a new trailing shoe system we have. So we're doing everything we can here at Ballykeith to be sustainable. And uh, two years ago, we won third in the country for our sustainability. That's a fantastic story, Morgan. And, and again, obviously, it's a family involvement. It is. It's a complete family involvement. From my wife and my four children are here. We do all the bottling by, by hand here uh, in the evenings. Um, when, when we were open for tours, the children got involved in doing the tours as well. So it really is a hands-on business, and it's a total family hands-on, which is brilliant and, and very heartwarming for me to see the, the family involved in it. Absolutely. And again, there's a very interesting story, isn't there, in relation to the history of whiskey in, in I suppose, the Austria area, which goes back a long time. Yes, the Scots were claiming that they were the first to um, uh, distill whiskey, but it's actually proven that Kilkenny is the first back in 1324 the monks were the first to distill in it's the first written word of distillation in in the world so Kilkenny holds that proud uh, thing for for producing the first distilled whiskey in the world spirit isn't that brilliant and that brilliant and we're back in the game again which is fantastic and it's a it's a really growing market i was just reading a, an article in the irish times and um the value of whiskey sales uh, for export reached 890 million euro last year that was a presumed pre-pandemic um obviously and um 1.5 billion has been invested in the irish whiskey sector over the last decade as well so so there's a there's a lot of great um, acceptance globally for our whiskey product isn't there it is, and uh, the best part of it is the premium part of that market is growing even faster. So we're, we're delighted to be in that part of the market. Uh, whiskey, Ireland was the number one whiskey producer back in the 1900s, and we lost that accolade due to our independence and the prohibition in the United States. With uh, hopefully now in the next number of years Ireland will retake reclaim that position because Irish whiskey is much sought after worldwide Oh yeah absolutely and again just to go back to the idea of the community involvement because this is a Kilkenny story here isn't it as well obviously yourselves producing the whiskey but as you said Kilkenny Crystal being involved and, and the wine centre that's a lovely combination Indeed indeed and um, the wine centre in Kilkenny were the first people uh, off licence to take on our product and when we decided to come to market with, with our whiskey um, we collaborated with them to allow them to have the uh, release exclusively. Uh, one of the main reasons behind that was, you know, we, we could have offloaded the, or sold the whiskey all over the world. We had America, Germany, Italy, all our different outlets, and then we would be short in Ireland. But what we said was, for the first release, we would allow, firstly, the people of Kilkenny County to have access to our, our whiskey, and um, then we would release it further out. Uh, we're very proud of that, and to have Kilkenny Crystal involved, it really makes it a, a Kilkenny product with the glasses, the hand-cut glasses and the hand-cut bottles yeah, in the presentation box. And each bottle is it's hand-graved, I mean, again, yeah, so it's a wonderful gift, it's a wonderful gift, it's a wonderful, I suppose, uh, unique souvenir to keep maybe for people themselves well into many years from now, and um, I was just wondering again, though, during the last 12 months, has it been difficult to try and coordinate all of this with uh, COVID-19 um, or, or not? 
there, there, there was a lot of difficulty, yes. Uh, yeah. Brexit was our, our biggest curse at one stage. Brexit, of course, um, well, yes, yeah. Yeah, we, we our, our presentation boxes, we were supposed to be out last November, and our presentation boxes got caught up in the shipping issues getting into the UK and also then transiting from the UK to us. Um, they only landed in with us there in February, so we were a number of months behind uh, our, our launch. And um, again, like initially you have 350 bottles uh, at the cask strength. You might explain to me what that means. And uh, 700 bottles at 46% um, as well. So obviously different levels of, uh, of strength in relation to the whiskey itself. Yes. So what, what we did was here, we released seven casks. But we, normally what would happen would be those casks would be blended together and you would get a, a mixture of, of what the liquid would be like. But what we decided to do was we release each cask individually. So we took a number of bottles from each cask at cask strength. Yeah. So it, it's we cask here at 63.5, but with angel share and evaporation, that would reduce down. So they the range from approximately 60% to 62% to the individual cask. Then the remainder of that cask, then we, we bottled at 46%, which would be a standard whiskey on your shelf. So people get the opportunity to purchase a cask strength bottle and a 46% bottle from the same cask, which it, it, to me is, is working very well for us because the collectors are collecting the set, one from each cask, um, which you know will go forward for them, will hopefully increase in value over a number of years. Whiskey auctions seem to be a big thing now in this country. Yeah, People purchasing... Uh, special bottles of whiskey and sitting on them for a little while and then selling them on through the auction sites. Yeah, I was going to say to you, what has been the initial kind of feedback, but obviously it's all been very positive. Very, very positive. Um, we, we really are, Mark and the Wine Centre is selling a huge amount of the spirit for us and we're also selling through some through our online sales ourselves. So we're actually running out of it at the moment. The, the um, sales have, have been more better than we expected. The support we've got from Kikenny is just huge, and it's heartwarming to me to see people getting behind the distillery. Well, it's been, but, but you've been very much part of the community out in Ballykeef. Um, it's, it's, I mean, like obviously the amphitheatre there has been fantastic as well, and I know that you've been supporting pre-COVID, of course, uh, the concerts out there and so on. So it's been a wonderful story up to now. I mean, people are very familiar with the whole concept, aren't they? Indeed, indeed. But uh, I must say, the amphitheatre, you know, it's. It's voluntary basis, voluntary run, and yeah. the guys there that do that give up their time for free to do that. You know, we have to take our hat off to them because it's the most professional place I've ever been in. You never hear a complaint from anyone, never. and yet it's all volunteers doing the work there, Matt and, and the guys. We just have to take our hat off to them and say well done to those guys and support them in any way we can. Oh, and we so look forward to going back to Ballykeef when, when things improve. It's going to be fantastic, and um, there's been so many great Indeed. concerts there. But um, I suppose from a global perspective, what what marketplaces would you like to get into really uh, over the next maybe 12 months? Well, due, due to COVID, um, the world has closed down, but yeah. sales-wise, but for us, it has given us the opportunity to make contact with different distributors around the world, and we've used this time now to, we're, very, we're going into the United States, We've got Germany, uh, Italy has always been a strong base for us. The UK now, we're navigating Brexit and uh, that's looking very, very positive for us. And we just got in an order today from Taiwan. Wow. So we've used the time uh, very well, this lockdown, to see how we can expand Ballykeef and move it worldwide. And, you know, it's a silver lining for us. The whiskey is what everyone is talking about and everyone wants. 
and it really has opened a lot of doors for us. Yeah, and again, I was looking at your website today, so it's a very, very informative website, and it's, um, again, I suppose, over the last 12 months, we've all become much more familiar with getting access to information, so, I mean, this is the same globally, so it's a very good website, and uh, listeners can get all the information about all your um, manufacturing um, on the website. Yes, our website, and we have an online shop as well where we do free delivery throughout Ireland, which is going very, very well for us uh, lately. We're very pleased with that. And um, uh, we also have our social media where we keep people informed as to what's happening and at the distillery. Well, listen, Morgan, it's a great, great story, Ballykeep Distillery, and uh, can I wish you great success over the coming time. I know it's going to be a big, big success, and uh, well done to you and all your colleagues there. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank you. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks very much, Morgan. All the best. Bye now. Bye, bye. Yeah, as I said, great news story there in relation to Ballykeep Distillery. And uh, keep your eyes open and log on to the website and you'll see all about this new uh, whiskey which they've just launched after much um, time and effort and putting it into it. And it's going to be a great news story for Kenny, I do believe. Um, but let's take our first ad break now, back in about three minutes. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Community Radio, Kilkenny City. We're local like you. Why not advertise with your community radio, Kilkenny City, as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 056 77 or our sales team on 086 810 Community Radio Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit organisation. Every one of us is still at risk from COVID-19. But every time we do the right thing, we're protecting ourselves and the people around us. So remember, we all need to take a step back. Let's make an extra effort to keep cleaning those hands and wear a face covering when you're shopping or on public transport. If you sneeze or cough, cover it or have a tissue handy. And download the COVID Tracker app to help reduce the spread of the virus. Because COVID-19 is still a problem, and we're all the answer. Welcome back to Kilkenny Today. And uh, for my next guest, um, just look at some of the headlines in today's papers and the Irish Independent. The front page um, headline is, Nefid experts uh, wanted to quarantine everyone entering the country. And... um, interesting article there in relation to what never we're looking for uh, for all passengers arriving in Ireland and uh, it's an ongoing debate obviously but we'll have a chat maybe more about it later on and uh, interesting um, article here as well Ireland had zero cases of flu virus reported this winter so the article uh, goes on to say Ireland has escaped the winter without reporting even one case of flu as public health measures around COVID-19 helped wipe it out that's a really interesting story and um, another story here in in the Independent uh, page 7 TB crisis looms as pandemic hits living standards and healthcare uh, says specialist and um, here's something if you're a kind of a like a fry in the morning might kind of be of interest uh, the heading is eating one rasher a day can increase your risk of getting dementia by 44% so lots of uh, information inside the article here but we might come back to it later but um, a little earlier today I spoke to uh, G- um, G- Jimmy Dinahan who is um, he's working with Goal and he does a lot of um, voluntary work with Goal and uh, today is World Water Day and uh, Jimmy has had some really interesting experiences in relation to um, as I said seeing what it's like in countries where water is such a scarce commodity and uh, this is our conversation and hope you enjoy it 
Monday, March 22nd is World Water Day. A rural Ugandan community is celebrating securing access to clean, safe water thanks to support from humanitarian aid agency Goal and former government minister and Kerry football legend Jemmy Dinahan. Coinciding with World Water Day, the community is celebrating the commissioning of a new borehole in their village, which is providing fresh, clean water, especially during this time of COVID-19. I am pleased now to welcome to Kilkenny today to discuss this really good news story, Mr Jimmy Deanahan, former government, government minister and legendary Kerry footballer. Jimmy, welcome to Community Radio Kilkenny City. How are you? Thank you, Frank, and I'm delighted to be with you today and just to say, uh, say hello to all my good friends there in Kilkenny City. And in Kilkenny. Well, listen, it's wonderful that you would share some time with us today. It's such an important day, obviously, in relation to uh, Goal and um, and the great work that's been done by Goal as well. But maybe we come back to have a chat about your football career later in the programme because, obviously, being at Kenny Station here, you know, we, we are really uh, big fans, obviously, of Kerry football and uh, you were part of an amazing team back in the 70s and so on. So we'll come back to that later if it's okay. Of course. Fantastic. So, um, what I was going to say to you, obviously, as we celebrate um, World Water Day, like what I found so, I suppose, starting was really like, you know, the, so many people globally uh, who don't have access to clean water, something like 784 million people around the world, Jimmy, uh, live without basic access to clean water, or one in 10 of the world population. It's, it's a staggering figure, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And even when you think that uh, 2 billion people in the world they lack access to a toilet, for example, or a latrine. So we should consider ourselves very lucky in this country, uh, but also uh, we should be very much aware of what's happening around the world and how we can help people uh, who are in a, a disadvantageous position, I suppose, and who are less privileged than ourselves. Absolutely, and um, I suppose, again, what struck me about your own involvement, I, I know you've been in, involved with golf for a long time, so it's a very important charity, obviously, for yourself be involved with, Jimmy. Oh, I, absolutely. Well, I, I remember when it was set up back in 1997 yeah. by John O'Shea. Yes, absolutely. was a sports supporter at that time. And uh, he, I suppose, he knew a lot. He had a lot of contacts within, the, you know, the Gaelic hurling football, yeah. Gaelic football and rugby. So uh, we helped him a lot in that period of time. And then when I uh, lost my seat in politics in 2016, it gave me an opportunity then to do uh, work in Africa. And actually, I put in um, a while out of my own pocket in Eritrea uh, back in 2017. Uh, so then, I'm, Anne O'Leary, who, who is chairperson of Goal, asked me, you know, would I join Goal there a few years ago? Uh, I used to go cycling with her in Dublin. And uh, so uh, then I was delighted to join Goal. And I went on a, a trip to Uganda and um, I saw I met these people in the, in the village without any without any well, and they had to travel long distances in order to uh, get water. So I, I said, "Look, I'm going to put a well in here um, sometime in the future." So then I had planned then to go to Everest base camp yes. uh, with friends of mine, uh, Carly Blondie Horton and Claire Trant, and um, so I decided that if I made base camp. Uh, that if I completed it, that when I'd come back then, uh, I would reach out to people to see would they provide funds uh, through Goal for the well in uh, Namanagwe village. And uh, got a great response. I went on Sean O'Rourke when I came back. And um, that day nearly I had the, the, the 10,000 nearly euro 
kind of made a day. by the end of the day people were very generous and uh, in subscribing to it isn't that fantastic and basically again obviously um, just reading the cost of one well was something like maybe 7,000 euros and, um, but again I think what, what struck me Jimmy about what you achieved is that all of us here in Ireland for example by small deeds can actually help so many people um, which is what you achieved because obviously now there's um, so many people who, actually, who have clean access water to, to water and um, so it's a fantastic achievement that you've done and again I suppose maybe just to talk about the trek itself because uh, you know when people say that they kind of undertook a Mount Everest base camp trek there's a lot of work involved in preparation for them sure well, there is it's not something you take for granted yeah um a number of people turned back on their way up the trail. Now it's a battle against altitude rather than climbing or scrambling or whatever. Uh, you leave Kathmandu airport and you go to place Lukla and then that's about 2,800 meters above sea level and then you walk from Lukla to base camp and uh, that base camp is 5,400 meters above sea level almost and you're there you're you're at the camp where people start i suppose they're climbing up to everest it looks quite close to you you'd feel like you could run up and down in in a couple of hours yeah uh, but obviously that's where the climb starts but even uh, traveling from lukla to base camp it's an experience in itself because you're going to sharp country and they're a unique tribe of people and you go to little villages like you'd see on the films of people going traveling to do Everest over the years the various films that were made like places like Pactain and Namsha Bazaar that is the, the capital of the, the, the Sherpa people yeah. and uh, La Biche and Gorak Step and then Base Camp and there's a little hill on the way then it's kind of optional we want to do it Kalapitar and you get a very good a view of Everest from that in the morning uh, when the sun rises, it's spectacular. Uh, so it's it's more than a physical challenge, but it's it's a great cultural insight too into these people who are quite extraordinary people, very gentle people, uh, but very poor and very much dependent on people. Uh, the forty thousand that go there every year to buy various goods, simple things like equipment or caps or whatever um, or food or stay in the tea rooms uh, but they're very dependent and I, I really pity them at this moment of time when there's no one uh, travelling to Nepal at the moment yeah. they don't have the social welfare system over there so going, they're yeah. totally dependent on uh, the, the people who are going up to base camp to provide them with, with the very basics I was going to say as well obviously when we talk about COVID-19 here and we're all obviously very you know, concerned how it's going up and down, good weeks, bad weeks, and everything else. But and we have we have been taken care of pretty well here. And as I said, when you talk about um, places like obviously Uganda, you know the the huge effect and uh, it, it must have been on it is on the people over there over the last twelve months in relation to their lifestyle and um, and also I suppose goal as well. I mean, as regards fundraising, because you know fundraising and uh, volunteerism is such an important part of of so many charities, isn't it, isn't it Jimmy? Oh well, very much so. Um, and it's very important too that the money goes to the charity. Yeah, I, I was very careful to explain to people uh, that I didn't want a free trip over to, to Kathmandu and to base camp. Like we all paid our own way, and then uh, when I came back, I was very careful to tell people, advise people 
to give the money directly to goal because sometimes you know uh, people go on on i suppose uh, fundraising efforts or whatever and uh, by the time they pay for the trip and so on there's very little left for the charity yeah uh, so i think it's very important to maximize your effort for the charity involved and what i would hope because i got such a great response actually uh, from uh, that particular expedition, I suppose, uh, to uh, base camp that maybe there's a possibility of a second well in, it in Uganda. So if, if people want to make a contribution, they can just uh, go on the, the Goal website and, and make a further contribution uh, to it. So definitely uh, I would do another venture, be it maybe back to base camp or uh, maybe some other challenge uh, for uh, for goal to put a well in another village in Uganda because I see the effects that this particular well will have on these people. Uh, it's extraordinary. Um, yeah, and again, I was just you know looking at some of the stats that have been achieved, obviously through the involvement of group charities like Goal. I mean, over the last 16 years, 400 school and community boreholes have been drilled, and which resulted also in 125 existing boreholes being kind of, I suppose, rejigged again, and uh, the building of over 45 toilet blocks in schools. I mean, and um, you know the quality of life that that has improved. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. When I was in Uganda, I visited one school. It was a mixed school. Yeah. Uh, but by even putting in, uh, again, toilet facility uh, in that school, it meant especially that the, uh, the girls could um, come to school five days a week, they, that they didn't have to stay at home um, at certain times of the month and so on. And even putting in a latrine there and a water tap meant so much to that particular school and the health of that school and even the atmosphere within the school itself. Um, and the, the principal of the school uh, was very grateful to what um, Goal had provided them with, uh, just that simple latrine uh, and uh, the effect it had on not just the health of the students, but also their I suppose, uh, intellectual well-being as well, because it, they found it easier to learn in school, to relax in class, um, and they were more attentive because they had, uh, they had the, the, the water available to them and toilets available to them. Uh, so it, it was a life changer for them. And again, I think what's 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 lovely about the development as well, Jimmy, is that um, I suppose the locals themselves take ownership once uh, the initial borehole has been has been dug because they, they pay a very small amount per month. But also, apparently, from each household each week, I think it's each week that um, a couple of people would actually make sure everything is okay. And it's it's really getting people involved locally is so important as well, isn't it? Well, it's a real community effort. Yes, yes, that's it. And uh, to them, water is life. It's everything. And if they have a water supply uh, close to their village, it means then that they don't have to travel uh, for miles to collect water. And uh, also, and it's the, the women that do more than the men. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a major again uh, like challenge to the to the to the women who are who mostly do most of the work anyway uh, in these communities. Uh, but it. it provides them with a lot of time then in order to do other work like producing food and so on and there is a stat that I, I just saw that um, 
in sub-Saharan uh, Africa, for example, uh, women and girls spend an estimated 40 billion hours a year collecting water. Wow. Uh, so, and an estimated 400 million school days are lost each year due to water-related diseases, for example. And, you know, they spend so much time gathering water, uh, it reduces the productive time that they could have in farming. Yes. Um, and uh, with safer water nearby, for example, it's estimated that women could spend, uh, could feed 150 million of the world's hungry. You know, so uh, it is major water is so important in uh, the countries of Africa, for example, and also in other parts too in South America and the Middle East as well. Uh, but obviously my major focus at the moment is on Africa. Well, listen, I mean, absolutely. And again, as you rightly said, I was reading over the weekend, I mean, you know, the COVID-19 uh, is really putting an, uh, such an extra burden uh, on, on females. And um, you just exemplified there, you know, the amount of work that, that, that they have to do. And it's just, um, I, I suppose, again, though, you know, the work that's been done by Goal and, and by yourself and, uh, uh, you know, they have five core values, uh, humanitarianism, courage, integrity, respect, partnership. And I suppose all those values are really reflected in, in the work that's been done by the charity and by yourselves and by so many good people like yourself who've actually taken them on themselves to, you know, make their own little contribution that could make such a huge difference. Well, absolutely. And also the whole challenge of preparing to go to base camp, for example. And I yeah. went through Pat Falby Adventures, yes. um, who did an excellent job in organising the visit. Everything was laid on. And it's not very that expensive either. Um, but you have to train for it, and even that discipline of training, uh, going up and down Quran Tool in Kerry on a regular basis, and also going to Mount Brandon on a regular basis. And um, it all helps. I, I, at the time, I would say that I had a fitness level when I was going to base camp of a 50-year-old rather than a 60-, 70-year-old. Yeah. Um, so it, it helps yourself as well, and it, and it helps your whole, I suppose, uh, attitude towards the third world and uh, it gives you an insight that you wouldn't get otherwise you see it on film and on documentaries but it's a different thing actually to be actually there on the ground and to meet these people and see the conditions they're living under and and so forth uh, so I, I would advise anyone uh, to that's into walking that definitely um, to look at base camp uh, for that adventure it's worth going there like, for example, Lupla is, is the most dangerous airport in the world, apparently. It's wow. at the side of a mountain, and you come in there, and it's uh, in itself, it's a, it's a bit of an adventure. It's a bit of a thrill-seeking to come into Lupla Airport. Uh, but uh, that's a chance you have to take, obviously. And the, the shepherd guys, the porters, for example, uh, it's extraordinary the amount of weight they can take on their back. They're yes. small people, uh, but they're really really hardy, a hardy race of people. And then, of course, you have the acts. Uh, they transport most of the goods up and down, the aisle, the food, and so on, to keep the tea rooms going. And then you have uh, mules as well. Uh, so they're the people, really. They're the workhorses of, uh, the, the, of the Himalayas, I suppose. And they're the, they're the ones that facilitate all the, the various travelers up and down to uh, base camp. 
And I suppose just to move on, maybe just uh, maybe to put your sporting back, but but many GA players, and I know GA obviously is such a huge part of your life, Jimmy. But many GA players have been very very supportive too, haven't they, of charities here and have done such fantastic work uh, in promoting the work that needs to be done, but also in giving of their time. Yeah. Well, the only thing I'd say to any sports people, uh, they should never underestimate the influence they can have right. on uh, on other people. Um, and especially younger people, and uh, especially current players. Um, so when you're going through that process, uh, you're very focused on uh, keeping fit for your team and you're focused on winning All-Ireland. But also you can do charity work as well because uh, young people especially, they want to see current players. So my advice to as many current players as possible uh, is to try to do maybe one charity event every year. Just one uh, is enough, and that's a lot. But uh, for example, now David Clifford, uh, he's a goal ambassador down in Kerry. I got David uh, to become a goal ambassador. Yeah. And uh, it's extraordinary, even the influence that David would have on, on young people and his association with goal. And then there are numerous uh, really high profile figures. Uh, associated with goal uh, right across the spectrum of sport be it athletics, be it rugby soccer, Gaelic, football hurling and so on and and athletics as I said Uh, so it's very important goal was set up based on uh, athletes really on sports people Uh, that's hence the name goal and it's hugely dependent on an input from uh, sports people uh, in order to do a lot of its fundraising and uh, Eamon Cochran for example one of the greatest milers I suppose that Thailand ever produced is a, is a great supporter of goal as well Absolutely, yeah. and it, they built the goal mile yeah. which is every Christmas day yes. around um, Eamon Cochran those other great I suppose uh, 1500 meter runners that we produce in this country uh, so the goal mile every Christmas it's a great event Christmas morning. I started it now down here in the stall. And it's extraordinary. People love it because it gives them an, an excuse actually to meet people. Yep. Obviously, we couldn't do it last Christmas no. morning, but uh, we did it the previous two Christmas mornings. And uh, just as a great buzz there, people like to get out Christmas morning before they eat their Christmas dinner. It gives them a chance to meet other people coming in from other parts of the world. Um, and it's a great occasion. So it's the goal mile is something that I'll be helping Eamon Sharkey and all the staff and goal really push for next Christmas, hopefully when things will have returned returned to some normality. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, obviously calling from Kilkenny here and we've got, um, obviously we're, we love our sports as you know, and uh, but also we've got so many of our great uh, local sports people here who are very supportive of, of both local and national charities and it's fantastic to see. And, uh, you know, just maybe to chat for a moment if I might, Jimmy, about your fantastic football career and uh, winner of five All-Ireland medals um, GA All-Star captaining your county uh, you know being part of that fantastic Dublin Kerry ri- rivalry or whatever you want to call it uh, it must be some great, great memories for yourself and your I know certainly I suppose when you're going through the process you don't uh, think about it that much you're just uh, looking forward to the next game and trying to hold your place and trying to keep yourself injury free yes uh, but you don't realize i suppose uh, the impact you're having on the population at large and uh, 
the responsibility you have to to your supporters and in Kerry uh, Gaelic football is uh, very close to uh, a religion in every sense of the word yeah. um, and as I said I wrote a book for charity a few years ago uh, my sport in life uh, but I remember I was trying to draw an analogy between Kerry football and other counties so I uh, said that Kerry football was to uh, Gaelic football was to carry as hurling is to Kilkenny or rugby to New Zealand or soccer to Brazil. So, fantastic. Uh, I would say that about sums up the, the kind of depth of interest in, uh, in Kilkenny in hurling as well. For, for sure. And again, I suppose just reading about about those years, I mean, there's great friendships struck between all the different players from different counties back in your time. I mean, as there are still now, obviously, as well, but it's a it's a very important part of the whole GA kind of uh, game, isn't it? That people kind of, when the, when the career is over, that they go on and they work for charity, they meet people for maybe golf outings, charity golf, and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, uh, certainly, and rugby probably was ahead of the GA uh, in that regard for a number of years, but the, the GA has really picked up. And... Um, the, the social aspect now is uh, there's more time given to it. Uh, players meeting after all Ireland. One time they didn't, but now they do. And then, of course, the whole All-Stars thing brings people together and then there are uh, trips abroad. For example, in the 70s, Kilkenny you know, won a number of All-Irelands that time and uh, we had a number of trips with the Kilkenny players and we built up a great rapport at, in the 70s and early 80s uh, with uh, many of the Kilkenny players of that time <clears throat> and I know that a lot of close friendships were formed at that time as well uh, that still continue um, so Kilkenny and Kerry had a lot in common we weren't competitors because one was following the other Gaelic football yeah. we both strive for excellence I suppose uh, then uh, you know, there was there was that fanaticism and still is in both oh, counties or both yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, so we had a, we had a lot to talk about and a lot in common. Absolutely, and again, in fairness, I mean, like there is, you know, there is a group of people in Kilkenny who've been really supportive of football over Kelly football over many many years. Like, and um, you know, they are keeping the game alive here as well, which is only fair to say. And uh, well, they are, and I must say that you very good uh, girls football team. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's great credit to the people in Kilkenny who are keeping the game going and. Incidentally, Gaelic football was uh, the, the sport of Kilkenny at one stage, but uh, there was an issue about, I know, the Leinster final or North Island final that they were badly treated in, apparently. And uh, then it kind of turned to Holland, but I, I read about that somewhere. Uh, well, yeah, there's so many great stories, and I mean, obviously, you've had a very, very um, important career in politics as well. And uh, are you enjoying retirement? all of that area well I am um, like I was 33 years in politics yes in a way I suppose um, I was a politician by accident I was asked to run for politics rather being a politician of, amb for, of ambition it wasn't my ambition I was teaching at the time in a very good school down in Tarbert comprehensive school in Kerry and I was really enjoying teaching and then I'd probably have been well, I would have been on that carry three in a row team, I'd say, only for the fact that I went into politics because I just didn't have time for training and uh, politics was proven to be very challenging. Absolutely. Long days, yes. not eating properly, and then the stress that's go that goes with politics, that's, that only those people who are actually involved in politics would understand 
uh, it's very stressful. You're carrying other people's problems in your head you know, day and night, and uh, you forget about your own issues, and that's the way it is. Uh, but um, I have no regrets. I spent 33 great years in politics, uh, met a lot of really interesting people, and uh, when I lost, you know, in Kerry football, we have a, there's a line in a song by a man called Gary McMahon. Um, he, had a, he had a great song called Dukas, and uh, there's uh, two lines in it about Kerry football. And when we lose, there is no excuse. We just pick up our bags and go. So I did that in politics. When I lost, I just gracefully bowed out, and no recriminations or whatever. I just moved on and started to do charity work in Africa, which uh, is very important, and uh, many other things as well that I wouldn't be able to do if I was still in politics. Well, Jimmy Danehan, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you this morning. Um, your work and goal is fantastic, and uh, as we support World Water Day, it's been um, amazing to talk to you. As somebody who's actually been over there and who's, who's actually supported um, a charity, and uh, uh, you know the outcomes have been fantastic, and it's been really wonderful talking to you, and uh, many thanks for your time. Well, thank you very much, Frank, and a pleasure being on your show. Can I wish you well, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Jimmy. Kilkenny's only community radio station. We're local like you. Indeed we are. Many thanks indeed to Jimmy Dinhan there, and um, very interesting um, work for Goal, and um, some great work being done, obviously, by Goal for many, many years now, over 43 years, I believe, and uh, they work in 63 countries, or 60 countries uh, globally, and... Um, have a staff of 2,400 show. So, I mean, even over the last year, apparently, they reached more than 5 million people in 13 countries across Africa, Middle East and Latin America. And uh, they obviously deliver many different programs in relation to emergency response, food and um, nutrition security, resilient health and uh, sustainable livelihoods. And um, I suppose really what they do as well, they promote global uh, citizenship. And um, I suppose, again, the ethos is that we all share responsibility for a better world and um, again we heard Jimmy obviously talking about uh, the, the need for fundraising and um, so if you can help uh, there's lots of information if you go to the Goal website and uh, do have a look and um, so i uh, just got a couple of announcements here as well before um, I do my next break and uh, let's have a look here uh, criminal damage the ring road Kilkenny so Gardaí and Kilkenny are investigating an incident where a bus was struck by an unknown object resulting in damage to a window pane on the left side of the vehicle the bus was approaching the Hebron Road around about shortly before 7.30pm on Saturday evening and uh, when the incident occurred there were no passengers on board at the time and nobody was injured a further incident occurred around 7.20pm on the ring road where a car was hit with balls of mud no damage was sustained to the vehicle but anyone who witnessed these incidents or may have information is asked to contact Gardaí here in Kilkenny. And also, um, dated here the 19th of the 3rd, 21st to the 20th of the 3rd, 21. Um, theft from a car in St. Francis Terrace, Kilkenny. So Gardaí and Kilkenny are investigating the theft of a catalytic converter uh, from a car parked in St. Francis Terrace. The car was a red Toyota Prius and was parked in the estate between 6pm on Friday evening and 4pm on Saturday. A catalytic converter was removed between these times and another incident where a catalytic converter was taken was reported to Guardian Kilkenny and the incident occurred again between 5pm on Friday and 3pm on Saturday and this time the car was a bronze Toyota Prius uh, was parked in Seville Lawn, uh, Margaret's Field when the part was removed from the car. A third incident was reported to Guardian Callan where a catalytic converter was removed from the car in the early hours of Saturday morning and this time the green Toyota Prius was parked in the laneway 
when the part was taken. So anybody with information in relation to any of these incidents are asked to contact Kilkenny Garda Station, of course. And um, let's take my last hour break now. and We'll be back in about three minutes. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Why not advertise with your community radio, Kilkenny City, as it puts your message into shops, restaurants, factories, homes and cars of a potential 40,000 listeners. So, we have something for everybody. Call today and book your spot with us. Or why not sponsor a programme or a slot by calling the office on 56 or our sales team on 86 Community Radio Kilkenny City is a voluntary and not-for-profit organisation. Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM and Taxback.com supporting Shop Local in Kilkenny City and County. Des Murphy here to remind you of my Good Morning Kilkenny programme. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am for two hours here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. So join me for seven decades of music, Ashley's favourite three, and on this day in music history, that's Tuesdays and Thursdays, Good Morning Kilkenny from 10am to 12 noon, with me, Des Murphy. Hi, this is Paul Sheridan, inviting you to join me on Tuesdays between 12 and 2 for Good Afternoon Kilkenny, where I'll take a look at some of the news on this day. So join me Tuesdays between 12 and 2 on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM, and online at communityradiokilkennycity.ie. Welcome back to Kilkenny today, and... Uh Thanks to my guests, as I said, so far on the programme today. I hope you enjoyed the programme today. Um, again, great news story at the start of the show with Morgan King for Ballykeef Distillery. And um, what a unique um, offering they now have and uh, to do it uh, locally as well and to have local, um, I suppose, supports like Wine Centre and Kilkenny Crystal involved. It's, uh, it's a wonderful um, idea and best of luck to all concerned. And uh, as I said, lots of information up on the uh, website as well. So please um, have a look and... Um, Let's have a look as well and see what's happening since we spoke over the last week uh, from the Business Post uh, review of the week, which is always uh, interesting indeed. And um, for example, uh, Home Secure sold to Norwegian security firm. So the Irish Alarm Monitoring Company, Home Secure, was sold to Norwegian Security Corp- Corporation uh, Sector Alarm. And the deal, which is thought to be worth 25 million, expands the Norwegian group's market portfolio here in Ireland because they previously acquired Phone Watch in 2013. And um, this, I suppose, conversation in relation to Uber that give, gives uh, some basic, some drivers basic employment rights, um, and um, which is obviously very important, has been a lot of discussion about over the last number of months. Bank of Ireland UK profits fall f- from £166 million pounds to £50 million, um, reported here in the Business Post. And British impo- imports fall by 65% in a year. And uh, the story here is that new data data from the Central Statistics Office show that Ireland's goods imports from Britain fell by 65% in January 2021 compared to the same period in 2020. Imports from Britain were valued at 497 million, uh, down from 1.4 billion, and uh, accounted for 9% of total imports into the country. Uh, exports to Britain also fell by 14% to 946 million euros, and. Um, 
let's see what else we have here in relation to news. Um, Three Ireland reports 2% revenue decline. So Three Ireland reported a 2% decline in full year revenues for 2020 uh, from a telecom point of view. And uh, Apple, if you're big into your iPads, apparently Apple are planning to launch a new iPad. Apple plans uh, to announce a new um, iPad as early as April, adding to a product line that has performed particularly well as people work and study from home. And the company is planning to refresh its iPad Pro line. So as I said, if you're into iPads and technology, you're obviously interested in those areas. And um, TikTok homes in on new Dublin office. So TikTok narrowed its search for a Dublin office down to three potential spots. Locations in the South Docklands, the North Docklands and Charlemont Place are among those being considered to host more than 2,000 employees of the Chinese headquarters um, media company. And uh, fascinating indeed in relation to the amount of jobs involved. Um, also, it says here that Ireland could lose 200 million euros under a French proposal to alter the distribution of a 5 billion EU Brexit compensation fund. And uh, the French government said it wants to alter the allocation fund, a move that could cut Ireland's 1 billion share by up to 20%. So interesting indeed. Keep your eyes open for that as we progress through the next few weeks. But um, nearly time for me to go. And uh, as I said, I hope you've enjoyed the programme. And um, lots of great programmes remaining here on the station for tonight. And uh, do stay tuned to Kenny today during the week. Lots of great programming and lots of local information as we always have on the programme. And um, until we start our talk again, um, I'm going to say goodbye. This is goodbye from Frank. And uh, take care of yourself. Bye. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.